0: what's up guys happy thursday you're tuned into ronin radio today i have daniel chaffee on the podcast he's the boss at reebok crossfit louvre one two and three in france he's the boss at the french throwdown crossfit sanctional event and now recently appointed international director for crossfit we dug into some really interesting stuff today as a gym owner and some stuff around leadership and the direction of the crossfit company moving forward hope you enjoyed the chat guys here we go it's daniel <laughs> I'm going to start, Daniel, with uh, a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Going back, uh, um,
1: born in London, um, son to a son to a, a builder. So I spent my spent my childhood on on um, building sites. Um, my my teen years were were carrying bricks, bags of sand, ballast, and and concrete, and making teas for teas for the craftsmen um and being the one who had to prepare the 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 building site in the morning and and sweep up at night because i was i was the boss's son so um uh, my 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 dad always thought you know um you you then have to show twice the example and you have to be the first one on last one off and and that kind of stuff so um that was something that was was um drawn into me by my dad so um uh good values from him um uh, rugby was my my main sport and then um Uh, volleyball was a second um so i I was a pretty decent pretty decent rugby player pretty decent volleyball player and then um ended up uh, i I didn't know what to do at uni so i ended up taking law um and then didn't know what to do with it afterwards so um uh i did two months in 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 at um store street law school um and then interning in a in a um, in a, a solicitor's office, uh, bored to bored to tears. Um, so then ran away to teach fitness, um, which I'd been studying in the evenings on weekends at the the YMCA down on Tottenham Court Road, um, and that's how I got started into into fitness. Um, and so, like my first, I think my first classes were 1990. Oh, goodness, it was three or four were, were the first classes I gave. So yeah, going back a while now.
0: All right. How and, old were you we uh, at that stage, Daniel?
1: Um, 20. 20. Okay. So uh, nice. when I was, you know, so it was, when I was at uni, I was studying law and, and falling asleep in the library. You know that you know <laughs> your face would get glued to the pages. You know in the library, <laughs> uh, you'd, you'd always be the first one to fall asleep. You wake up, and go, oh, my god, did I snore? You know, did I draw draw down my face sort of thing. And um, I just realized that I needed to, my body needed to move, um, and I needed that balance uh, between um, the 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 mental work for, for studying law, but my body was like. Um, I was, I was going cold Turkey from having played rugby and always being, always being active. And so I went into the local, uh, YMCA, which is around the corner from, from where I was at uni and, um, and they had all these classes. So I had no intention of being a fitness instructor. I just saw these, I just thought as a way of, okay, well, I can, I can, I can study something. I can learn something and, and keep moving. So I did the uh, exercise to music step, uh, uh, prenatal postnatal bums and tums you know all the all the aerobic uh, panoply that existed at the time then um, there was uh, strength training and all this kind of stuff so I just did I just did uh, RSAs basically at the at the YMCA um, with no intention of teaching it's just that I didn't know I didn't want to go into law uh, afterwards um, I, I, it took me like four years um, to realize that that wasn't that wasn't for me and um, and because I've been studying fitness it seemed like a natural uh, natural way to go I had no money to travel, um, and I knew that I'd been in London, like you know, all my all my life except for a short stint when I was a teenager in the U.S. And and um, I wanted to travel. I had I had no money, so it was like, okay, what should I do? Go and teach. So I went and taught classes um, at uh, uh, Club Med gyms, um, so I went off to went off to went off to Club Med, and um, I was supposed to go for two months one summer in 1995. And I stayed basically like four and a half years, Um, and uh, yeah, and it just went from there. So um, my my master plan kind of kind of hit a brick wall, and then yeah, just kind of winged it from there. Right. No intention. No intention to open a gym. No intention to. I I didn't even know that you could actually learn a living. You could learn a living in fitness. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, and you're based in France now, right? Yeah, uh,
1: down in southwest, down in Bordeaux. Um, so I, I, I spend most of my time here and then I'm up in Paris. Um, uh, I'll now go up maybe like twice a month um, and spend, spend a, a few days there each time because um, I've got the, the two gyms up there. Um, but basically, I mean, you know, the, the more, the more you, 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 you coach and train your team, the more they become independent, um, and then the more they actually work better without you getting in their way. Um, so um, uh, I'm at that point in, in Paris where, where, before the lockdowns, obviously <laughs> um, things were things were running pretty smoothly, and um, I was just there to make sure they had the environment to to, to perform um, and to give them some feedback and stuff. But yeah, so most of my time is on here, which is great because I, I then get loads of good quality time with my son. Um, summer is um, there's some surfing down here on the coast and then winter the skiing in the Pyrenees isn't too far and stuff so
0: yeah life's not life's not too shabby life's not too yes Um yeah. tell me a little bit about the situation with the pandemic in France How how's it been overall
1: well I mean a lot like the UK right so it's been you know um, the first lockdown was like two and a half months which I think it was pretty similar to, to the UK it was like from mid, mid-March for two and a half months and um, and then we opened up for like between two and three months, depending on which region of France you were in. Uh, if, you're in if you're in Paris city centre, which we have two, it was, you open up for a little, little, little less. And then end of September, on the 23rd, um, the prime minister came on, made a speech, and said, as of the 25th, all gyms will be closed. It was like, seriously? Gyms? It's was like, yeah, all, all gyms will be closed. Okay, so we were, we were the first ones to be closed down. Oh. Um, can you hear me, mate? I'm, yeah, I, gotta... I can't. Oh. A bit of a defense online, but yeah, I, I think you can, I think you got me. So all, all yeah, all gyms were closed down. Um, we were given two days notice um, and we were doing, I mean, we're, it, was, it was a cracking um, uh, July, August and, and beginning of September. Um, I mean, there was, there was, there was, you know, there were prospects, um, uh, people that, people that would have been, would have been way further back in the decision-making process pre-pan, pre-pandemic. And that the pandemic had, had, had kinda of brought it, you know, to the forefront of their their their, their, their decision making process. And um saying, so, you know, Oh, this is you know, if we get another few months like this then we'll we'll get back to pre pre pandemic uh um numbers. And um they just closed us down within two days and we've been closed since the twenty fifth of September. So, um we're now going into Feb, so uh I'm I'm losing I'm 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 not really counting anymore because it gets a bit depressing. But it's like four mm-hmm. and a half months under that. Yeah. So um We've been close since then, and then since the beginning of Jan, we've been allowed to coach outdoors. Okay, um, so That's we can, something. yeah, we can coach up to five people outdoors. Um, so, uh, um, which is which, which isn't great for January, obviously. I mean, you know, I think you guys yeah. have got you guys have got snow today, or something. So. Um, yeah, it's baltic. Yeah, so it's like not the best. Uh, but the, the, um, you know, the, the, the members at the, of the boxes are, uh, are just happy to be able to do something other than just burpees in their living room. So um, we're getting quite a good response from that. And that's the situation now. So um, financially very tough. And you see the, you know, the, mm. the accounts go into you know, redder and redder um, month mm. after month. Um, but we only have two choices. You know? One is you say, okay, well, actually, you know, I'm not going to open up afterwards. And so close down as quickly as possible and, and, and cut your losses. But then you're disappointing, you know, hundreds of members and you're disappointing your team members and the people that you've grown over the years and you're throwing away years of investment in life. Or you just say, okay, well, I'll open up and I'll open up with, I don't know how much debt, but I'll open up and then just we'll take whether it's a year, three years, five years to get back to where we were pre, pre-pandemic. And um, uh, so that's a choice we've made, like a lot of, a lot of box owners. Um,
0: well, fair play, man. Still punching. Um, you uh, did you say you have three James now?
1: Yeah, yeah, right. um, uh, just, uh, yeah. So Reebok CrossFit Louvre was the first one. Um, Louvre two, which is down here in, in in Bordeaux or just outside Bordeaux, and then CrossFit Louvre three, which we opened up. Uh, the timing really, really, really was bad. Uh, end of two thousand and nineteen. Um, so we only had a few months of operations before before it got closed down. So that is a smaller community. Um, uh, but which which actually is easier to easier far to, easier to handle in times like a pandemic where your 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 communication you know is is uh, remote um, and through telephone and that kind of stuff you know the smaller the community the more you can give one on one one on one particular attention
0: to so yeah absolutely and uh, a rough guideline then of what years you opened each gym in I know 2019 was three what did you go uh, for one, Um <coughs> it
1: was. It was 2015 was two it should have been 2014 but just um uh with landlords and, and and builders and stuff it took a bit a bit longer and then the first one we we kicked off um so it was meant to be Feb 2012 so we started planning that like from August to 11 and um but we had issues with the landlord in Paris we lost the location and, and we ended up we ended up being um uh, yeah, being homeless for a few months and just and just basically um, working out in, in parks for a few months. So yeah. So yeah. yeah, so um I'd say yeah 2012, 215,
0: 219. Yeah. Right. I'd imagine the um land, the property over there is quite competitive. Is oh Paris? Paris is well Paris city
1: centre is very expensive. Um it 'cause it's not a it's not a sprawling city, Paris. You know, it's got it's got it's got a ring road that kind of fences Paris in, right? Um, and so you 've got the twenty arrondissements as are called or twenty neighborhoods, um, and anything that 's like inside the ring road is going to be super expensive and um so yeah to be honest i mean we 've got say five thousand square feet on on Louvre one and so obviously our fixed costs are going to be higher in the center of Paris and they will be in like a um, an industrial commercial estate outside of bordeaux um, so bordeaux, for example, we have twelve thousand square feet um with the with a parking lot and all that kind of stuff so it's 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 it 's Decentralized from the city. Um, and for that, we pay uh, 15 grand a month uh, in euros. Um, right. In uh, Louvre One, which is 5,000 square feet, but it's on like a main axis. It would be like, I don't know, if you're looking at uh, London, it's probably like a Regent Street or you know, something like that. Um, um, and we're paying 42,000 a month. So the rent is super high. Um, well, so you, you, you know from that business model. At, at that sort of rent at forty-two thousand, you know that either your your monthly dues are going to have to be incredibly high, or you need to find a model where you can you can get through a lot of sessions in the day, um, and and service a fair number of people. So um, yeah, for sure, man. So, so that, that you know, I mean, uh, and then Louvre Three is is a is a, a fairly small box. Um, again, it's about it's about five thousand square feet, um, but the rent is a lot lower. So, so the, the, the pressures are different, and it, it'll live differently to, to Louvre 1, even though they're only a 12-minute walk from each other. Um, you know, and it's, um, yeah, your business model is, is, is kind of, or you know, it's dictated by what your fixed cost is, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you don't have to go into too much detail, but across the board, are you getting some help, some relief between landlords, governments, all that type of stuff? Um,
1: landlords, not yet. Um, basically, we've written to each other. Uh, so I wrote to them first as soon as it happened, um, just saying, you know, obviously the pandemic's in. So please understand that while the pandemic's happening and we're not, we're not taking in um, our normal revenue, uh, we won't be paying rents. But we do intend to find a solution with you in order to be here for the next 30 years. So you kind of set, set the tone with that. And then they write back very politely saying, um, yes, we'll see, you know, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, please stay in touch sort of thing. So that's where we're in a status quo of the landlords at the moment they haven't offered anything and um all we've said is you know we'll need your help and that's that's basically it and and when we know when we're going to come out that's when we'll sit down with all the landlords um but i mean the way i'm i'm handling the finances is worst case scenario no help from any of the landlords and that way i you know and okay. that's even if your bank account is saying you only you know you only x in, in 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 the red well no i mean it's it, if i'm taking all fixed costs into into account it's you know it's 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 you know X times X times three, sort of thing. So, um, mm. um, so with landlords, nothing. But and then with the government, um, they're doing well. They're doing per company, and because so they're not doing per establishment. They're doing per company. So we have three establishments in one company. So at the moment, we get ten thousand euros per month help. Um, but we have across the board of the three uh, boxes, we have eighty two thousand euros of rent per month. So um, yeah. Um, if we didn't have the the support of some of our members, we'd be, we'd be in in very deep trouble financially. Mm. Um, But I I mean, yeah, Uh, I mean, mainly the, the the money that's coming in from the members, supporting the box and doing the zoom classes or, or or pitching up and, and going outside is paying the coaches. Um, Mm. And that for me is important because, um, you know, we've been closed like four, four and a half months. You can easily lose sight of your coaches. You can lose connection with your team. Mm. And, you know, we haven't spent the last, you know, eight nine years um, building what we've built and 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 developing our team to lose them because they think they have to go and work in you know they have to go and work in a in a in a uh, a phone store or something you know to to make ends meet and stuff. So mm. so my my main priority, even if it means the company is getting slightly deeper into debt, is to make sure that uh, those that are the full time employees are taken care of. You know they're, they're on um, furlough schemes, you call it. Is it uh, you know the the, the unemployment rate. Yeah. So they're they're taken care of. They've got that and then. Um, so they, they've got, you know, they, they can pay their rents, they can put food on the table. Um, but coaches that are independent, that do some PTs or that work in one location and stuff, um, they don't necessarily have any help. And that's where those are the ones that we have to look after most. So um, um, that's the main reason that we're putting on quite a few number of classes, quite a few Zoom classes, that kind of stuff, to make sure that the coaches that are most in need, um, we can still pay them something for, for some sort of service.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so you got a lot of plates spinning at the moment, Daniel. Um,
1: well, uh, but I, yeah, but there are people helping me spin them. I'm, I'm not just two hands. So um, right, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can you can only add a plate if you've got. You get to a certain point where you can only add a plate if you got next set of hands. And um, mm. I wouldn't have opened. I wouldn't have opened the second box. I learned the third. I mean, yeah, you, you know. Um, preaching to preaching to the choir you you know that you know opening a second box isn't just about oh i've got the money to do it it's it's you know Mm -hmm. can you find a good location that's a complementary to your first one it's not going to destroy your culture and 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 your your your, your, you know what you've built the environment and then but above all do you have the people that can that can help you manage it and run it and make it excellent and it's the Mm -hmm. people that take most of the time money you can find and locations will always pop up but developing people that understand what you want to do, how you want to do it and the culture that you want to do it with that takes time to develop. And, um, and that's, I mean, so you can be, you can be financially poor, which I suppose most boxes are today because we've been closed for so many months and we're suffering and, you know, and we're seeing some outgoings and, 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 you know, their bills coming in and their taxes to pay and all this kind of stuff. Um, but you can actually be a very wealthy company, um, in terms of human resources and skill, uh, um, and 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 knowledge and passion and the environment you built and i think that's where um, boxes are boxes have a huge advantage over globals um, yes in in that we we take th- this down time to nurture that you know the, the number of box owners that are spending time um training their teams uh studying with their teams doing online courses doing zooms you know uh, book clubs um you know all, all, all that kind of stuff is 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 amazing and you see what the Globos are doing. They're doing nothing. They just furloughed all their employees. They took all their, all mm. their coaches, all their managers, their reception staff, all this kind of stuff. They said, okay, we're closed. Okay, bye, guys. We'll see you when we open. Mm. Maybe we'll see you when we open because you may have moved on to something else. Um, so, we'll, I, I, you know, I'm kind of looking at the, 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 the upside of the pandemic. is it, um, it, it, um, it really favors uh, the business models that have communities, that have your communities um so yeah, yeah yeah so it's tough for everybody but the, the the bounce back will be far better for those that are managing to stay engaged with their teams and with their members obviously mm,
0: for sure so in the position that you've put yourself in over the last couple of years with all these different um, teams and and tasks leadership is obviously quite a big thing that's on your plate is it something you've kind of studied or is it did it did it come naturally to you um well i you can say that people are natural leaders, or they're, they're, they're
1: learned leaders, um, or you know, latent or dormant leaders. You know, different profiles and stuff. Um, I have studied leadership a lot, but I've studied it because um, I was I was lucky enough to fall into companies that um, had great leaders, and that would help you just open doors. But then you'd have to go. you they, they would indicate the door to go and study, and you'd have to open it and go and open it right, and go and go and discover. Mm. Um, but i mean even even like when I was at school um uh you know uh, i was i was yeah uh, captain of the football team, captain of the rugby team um uh you know just just you know you 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 kind of you, um i suppose i i always knew what i wanted to happen, whether it was on a on a pitch or i i think team sports really help to develop leadership as well in eh? um something that's, that's' quite overlooked by the education system these days um mm. But, I mean, you can see it, you know, you, you look at it, you look at the Six Nations and you look at the people on the pitch that are, that are driving the teams. It's like, you know, Scotland beat be England this weekend, right? And, and so I was watching that and I was, oh my, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, what, what's going <laughs> on? But you looked at the leadership on the pitch, you know, uh, foul was, 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 was totally absent, you know, and within the, within the, within the English forwards, um, you know, until Courtney Laws came on, there was something definitely missing. But then you looked at this, the Scottish, the, the, the and I was like, you know, wow, um, they they had leadership in several positions on the, on the pitch. And that's what, you know, the, 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 they, they don't necessarily have better individual skill than the English players. You know, you put them, you know, one against one and, and you probably, you know, you're probably on paper tip tipping them to win, but their leadership was there. And so I think from an early age, I was conscious of that, um, but I didn't exactly know what it was and I didn't know you could study it um, until I went into to Club Med. And so I was, you know, i think club med you know doing you know aqua gym and all this kind of stuff and then you realize that they had you know uh, management meetings and what's this management meeting about and then you know and, and and so you'd observe and then you'd observe how they ran their team meeting and you know they had the agenda and how they how they presented things and how they got your buy-in and 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 uh, you know they didn't dictate what needed to happen they got your buy-in and they, they, they told you a story they sold you a story that would get you to want to do something you know and you go, wow I think that's pretty cool you know um and, and then you'd see a dictator come in and tell you and you'd, you you know you 're feeling the difference in while he's telling me to do it, whereas the other guy's getting me to want to do it there's something mm. there 's something in here that's that's pretty. and and then being um at club med was the first was the first time I was given some promotions without without really knowing that you know that I would enjoy it or that i, I wasn't even looking for it um uh, just by enjoying your job you you know you you you, you would do hundred and ten percent of what was asked of you, and then you'd get some doors open for you. Um, and they gave, I didn't think I was, I was, um, uh, I had particular experience for the roles they were giving me, but they were giving me these opportunities because I was, I was keen as mustard. Um, and, um, and so I've, I've kind of worked like that as well. When, when someone's young and they, I I don't really care what's on their CV. Um, you know, it might be law and they're teaching aqua gym or it might be aqua gym, but they're, you know, meant to be helping you do something totally different. Um, if they're keen and they're, and they're coachable, um, and by by what I mean, coach, was they accept feedback and they and you know they'll think about it and they you know they won't get upset by, um, uh, by you saying praise or reprimand and that kind of stuff. Um, then you, there's something to do with them. Um, and um, so Club Med was a was a was a big one, and they had this this uh, management training, um, which took years in order to 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 go through the ranks and become a chef de village, you know, so in charge of a, a holiday village sort of thing, um and then when i when i when i worked for a company called fitness first um which was which is pretty big in the u k and then and then in several continents um they had uh management development programs um leadership programs um and um i mean yeah I, I, there's one guy called terry q who was a, he was um he was south african special forces and then he became uh, a sales guy in pharmaceuticals and then he became a sales manager in pharmaceuticals. Then he became a sales manager in the fitness industry, and then he just be- he just became this this this, this frigging leadership guru down in Australia, and he was hardcore. And I was put into his hands because I was I was useless. Um, I, I lost <laughs> a lot of money for Fitness First um, in in my first few years. Um, my enthusiasm and my energy did not compensate for my lack of experience and lack of knowledge um and so they they sent me down to australia and this guy called me up he goes hey you're coming down to australia i'll be looking after you for two weeks um i look forward to meeting you but these are the books you have to read if you haven't read them uh don't get on the plane and
0: i was like wow this guy this guy's hardcore he um, set the standard yeah 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 and then
1: then i then i got off the plane and um he <laughs> met me at the airport and he had a coffee and he was really great and we got in the car and he goes oh, i'm gonna take you to i'm gonna take you to your hotel and then and then um, I'll give you 10 minutes to get settled and then we'll go, we'll go to work. Said, great. And while we're in the car, he starts to grill me on the books. Um, <laughs> like, this guy is serious. This guy is like, you know, you just had like a 24-hour flight. You've done a stopover. I can't remember where. You know, time difference. He didn't care. It was either you're, you're coachable, which means when I ask you to do something, you're going to do it. And when I give you feedback, you take it in or not. And um, he goes, listen, I've heard good things about your attitude and stuff, but the results suck. Uh, you need to upskill. Uh, you need to become a better leader, you need, you, the, the ship is yours, you've got nine clubs and seven of them are losing money, it's on you. It's like, okay, wow, this guy, this guy means business. He goes, your team's, your team's as good as mine, it's just you're not as good as me. Now get, get as good as me. And it's like, wow. So I spent two weeks with this guy and he was, he was, he was butchering me um, <laughs> every single day. Um, but he showed me tough love. Like a like a parent does to their kid, right? You know, and you're saying, "I told you not to," you know, and you can tell the parents getting angry with you, but then you feel bad about getting angry, but you know it's for their good, sort of thing. And I could tell this guy was kind of like that, and we developed mm-hmm. a really good relationship, and uh, we're still friends today. Um, and he's he's uh, he's been a he's been a mentor of mine since 2002. Um, right. And
0: um, did he beast you with like logs at five a.m.? No, <laughs> oh, no, we had, we had we had boot camp. We had boot
1: camp on the beach, but that wasn't, and oh, that yeah. was at five a.m. Um, and it was like, oh yeah, we and we had logs and stuff. You know, it was like in in the days of you know the the military boot camps where they'd have long tree trunks on the beach and all this kind of stuff. So they yeah, come in, they come yeah. and pick up through the, 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 tree trunks and stuff. And, um, um, yeah, and you're doing, you're doing crunches, you know, with the, with the, with the waves rolling onto you and, you know, it's like, or also like a special forces stuff. This, that was his, that was, that was his, <laughs> that, was his that was his bag. I mean, that was, you know, yeah, um, it. and, um, just, yeah. and then I, then I had, a, had a few leaders throughout, throughout the, the years. There was an Australian called Dan O'Day who had a different style of leadership, um, who was, who was very gentle, very caring, um, and um, uh, but you know, you had to know your stuff. So he would he would, you know, um, you'd, you'd walk into a um, uh, some, by that time I was country manager and a monthly basis we'd fly out to, to Frankfurt and we'd do our meetings where we were showing our staffing status, we we're showing the activities that'd been done, we we're showing you know the, the trainings that had been done, um, exposing the results and analyzing in detail the results and what we needed to improve and all kind of stuff. And he would meet us the night before, we'd go for we'd go for a pad thai in a beautiful Thai restaurant and stuff. And then the next morning, we'd, we'd pitch up thinking we're going to start the, start the meeting. And he would have these blank pages, nine, nine blank pages with just empty lines. So the lines were there, you know, with the length and the question mark or the exclamation mark. And it was um, a basic sales script that we had to know off by heart. And he would, he would you know, every, every two or three months, he would make us sit for 45 minutes and write these nine pages out. And you had to know every single bloody line on these pages. And it's like, it like wow. these are non-negotiables. And and he taught me the fact that um, as a leader, you love your teams like your family. Um, You take care of them and stuff. But the difference between your team and your family is that your love for your family is unconditional. The love for your team is you're going to put the work in and you're going to respect the the non-negotiables. And so you have to establish what these non-negotiables are with your team very early on. And and that's what he did with us. Um, And I mean, you know, uh, we're still mates as well. Uh, He's down in Australia. He works for um, Virgin Active down in Australia. He's a brilliant manager. Um, when he came into, when he came to run Europe, I just moved into my first flat in Paris. So before that I'd been, I'd been, um, uh, I'd slept in a car for a while. I'd been bumming on couches. Um, uh, I'd slept in, in, in flea ridden motels, uh, spending all my, all my, all my, all my salary, um, while getting beasted on results and all this kind of stuff. And I moved into my first apartment and, um, and he goes, oh, you know, show me, show me your apartment. You take a video and show me your apartment. So I sent him a video of my apartment. And he goes, that kitchen looks small, man. He goes, you don't even have a microwave. I said, yeah, I know. I know. I've got to sort myself out and stuff, you know, laughing. And the next visit he did to France, he came off the plane and he had a a, a box with string on it. And he was holding it by the string. And, um, um, I, I pick him up and, and get him in the car and stuff. And I go, you know, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you bought? You know, what's, 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 what did you get at duty free? He goes, oh, no, this isn't at duty free. I got this at a, at a, at a, um, at a store in, in Frankfurt. I go, oh, okay, great. He goes, um, so take me to your place. And he, oh, we're not going to go to the office. He goes, no, I want to see your flat, man. So we go to my place and he brings this box out, brings it up to the flat, unwraps it. And it was a microwave. Um, so he, he bought me a microwave in Frankfurt, got, you know, got it on the plane, bought it over, you know, and, 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 um, and, and for me, that was, that was like, you know, this guy cares about me. Uh, he he cares about the quality of my life. He cares about that. My life improves through working with him. Um, he listens, um, he, he's into small detail. Um, he never, you know, on my birthday, um, there would always be something arriving on my birthday from him uh, and that continued for years after we worked together um and it was like well okay so there was a very different tact in leadership and so that taught me that leadership had different you know there were different variations of leadership um one team within within the leaders that i worked with is that there were non-negotiables um that, that just had to get done um and that was it yeah
0: that's a nice uh, tip for anyone running across the gym isn't it really with their own teams start with those non-negotiables
1: yeah yeah but also um take time to explain them. You know, the, the the why is really important. You know that, you know, it, yeah, I, I, I know you've you, you've studied all this stuff, but for some of your listeners, you know, you, we often, we often talking about what has to get done, what has to get done. But if someone understands why, so the non-negotiables, we call them expectations. It's not in the contract. It's, we give them to people before they join and say, you know, if, if you come into the role, these are the non-negotiables. Um, take them home, read them, write questions, and then, and then, on our next meeting, if you want to meet after you've read these, if you want to meet, if you have questions after these, then we'll sit, you know, I'll, I'll take you for a coffee. I'll take you for a beer and we'll go through every single one, you know, bring, bring pen, pen paper and all your questions because that would be a very important meeting. And so that's what we do with everyone coming into the company, whether they're an intern, whether they're a mature coach, whether they're a receptionist whether they're a salesperson, um, you know, um, I don't recruit managers. Managers have to come through the ranks. Um, if I can't if I can't bring managers through the ranks and I'm doing something wrong with my, my recruitment and my 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 development of my teams. Um but on every other every other role, those expectations are laid out and then we then we take time sometimes it takes like two and a half hours to go through them because um you know uh the the, the coaches for example um uh they have uh, I think it's like three and a half pages, A4 you know, and each one or two lines is an expectation. Um and it and it goes down draws down to as much as, you know, um no chewing gum inside the box um if you're coaching outdoors um you don't wear sunglasses while you're talking to people um you stand on the left hand side of the board when you're doing the brief um i mean it's like that's that's how detailed uh, we, we we like to get on our on our expectations um and we explain why we explain why for each one and if they don't agree at the end of that then that's fine but these expectations are really powerful because if someone's not fulfilling them it's easy to come back and hey man you know do you remember that expectation about 10 minutes, you know, being ready 10 minutes before your first class to work with the members? Yeah. doing it's seven, right? You know how important this is to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get this right. Okay. Listen, I love you. You're an important part of the team, but these are the sorts of things we can't afford to cock up. Do you agree? Yeah, mm. I agree. Okay. Thanks mate. Let's get on with it. And that's it. So they're like, a they're like a Bible of reference, um, for performance. Yeah. It's, it's, and it, and it means that I can step away and I know that, you know. Um, the, the guys leading these teams now are the guardians of these expectations, and they're they're as um, they're as adamant about the need to fulfill these, if not more so than I would be. I tend to I now tend to be more chilled out about them than than, than the guys leading the teams. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, really important, really important to take time to do those, and 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 for each role, that. obviously, yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. So moving on from. Your own that was kind of your own stuff at Louver. You mentioned a country manager, the country manager role for CrossFit oh, the Company, yeah, yeah. and then uh, we moved recently into the international manager role. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, it's it's um uh, it's a role that was created that, that that um there was a guy there was always someone running the country managers, um but they were always based out in the U.S., um so they weren't really an international. It was not an international person in the international world, it was still someone very much either in Santa Cruz or, or down in San Diego. Um, So yeah. um, Based on us time, based on us culture, based on uh, the issues in the us and, and, you know, um, uh, so it, 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 we were, we were out like sentinels as country managers and there weren't many of us. Um, And uh, uh, the, the person running us in the us, um, we 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 had a guy called Jimmy Leshard who was wonderful. He 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 protected us. He gave us as much as he he support as he could. And then we had a lot of other guys who who just didn't really understand the role because um, they hadn't they hadn't come through the ranks. They um and when I say coming through the ranks, it's, you know they hadn't coached x x thousand number of classes. They hadn't opened up their own box. You know at, at f- f- bloody six a.m. You know with with your your, your fingers a. Uh, uh, you know, you haven't you haven't slept a good night's sleep. Your fingers are freezing cold, you know, and you've got your members pitching up in 20 minutes and, you know, and you realize, you know, oh, you know, toilet number two still blocked and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I haven't done the whiteboard yet. No, you know, you go and one of the light bulbs pop and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And until you've done that, until you've done that, you know, day after day for years, it's hard to be good in the country manager role or in the international world, I think. Um, and so we're really lucky now. I mean, all the country managers come from this golden triangle of having coached a ton um, and are all box owners, actually. Uh, every single one of them at the moment is is spends probably more time in a box than they do anywhere else. And so they can relate to the the affiliates, which for me is – you know, the country manager world before had no real clear expectations. Now we've set, uh, you know, coming from our previous conversation, about expectations, you know, one of the first things I've done is set expectations um, uh, for the country managers. Um, and um, the the communication and being a point of contact and giving a quick response and um, being a shoulder to cry on and an ear to listen um, to affiliates is 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 the first thing. And you can't really do that unless you've been an affiliate or you are an affiliate, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's hard if you're not in the same time zone. So um, that's what we've tried to do in the first couple of months. Um, we've got some new country managers in. Uh, some older, more mature country managers have expanded their territories because they can, as in they they, they have the bandwidth to do that. Um, so we, we, those were the first decisions to make. Um, and um, I'm really happy. You know, we we we've now got someone in Korea where they've they've got a they've got a. A burgeoning uh, community with, with more than 100, 100 boxes, but obviously it's language specific. You know, very few Koreans actually speak good English, um, so there's always this, there's always this communication lag um, in mm. the Russian speaking countries. So the Commonwealth of Independent States is called. Um, we've now got a we've now got a, a point person there, uh, Dmitry, um, uh, because obviously again, you know, um, uh, it's it's not just about being in the same time zone and being in the same culture; it's the language barrier as well. Um, you know, the, the advantage for, for many countries like, you know, South Africa, Australia, the UK, and a certain extent Canada, etc., cetera, um, is that you can, get, you can get good info, you understand the training courses and the seminars and the online courses and all this kind of stuff um, that a lot of these other countries don't. Um, so they're, they're limited to a level one that gets translated and the, the level one evaluation that gets translated and end of story. And that's their only contact with, with CrossFit throughout their entire life. And that's what we need to change in a lot of these territories. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, obviously another thing that's always been fairly disappointing, um, is the speed of communication, um, and, and the lines of communication, you know, affiliates, affiliates shouldn't be learning really important things about their business partner, which is CrossFit, um, through, um, a morning chalk up, or Mm -hmm. they should, they should be learning it through a point of contact to them as an affiliate, as a partner. And that's something we're trying, to, we're trying to solve at the moment as well. Um, so, yeah, so those, those are, I mean, uh, I've gone a bit further than your, your initial question, but yeah, um, those are things we, 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 we're trying to solve. Um, and uh, So, are
0: you in charge of everything outside of the US? Is that, is that your overseeing um, opinion? Yeah, yeah. Um, South America's a, a bit particular
1: because uh, Ricardinho is down in Brazil. Um, and obviously, Brazil has a huge number of affiliates, um, whereas the, yes. the rest of the Southern American states don't. So he's, he's got bandwidth. I mean, you know, you've got, you got some, some large countries in, in South, South America. They've only got like you know seven affiliates, whereas, whereas Brazil had like mm-hmm. a thousand. Um, so, wow. um, so So Ricardinho has got a team in Brazil that's kind of expanding and, and they have the reach and they've got the time zone. And they speak Portuguese, they speak Spanish, which are the two main languages, obviously, um, even though it's Latin American, Spanish. You know, Brazilians so, so. love CrossFit, right? Oh, they're they're all over it. I mean, you mm. you probably watched the 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 open launch with with Dave down there. Was it two seventeen? Um And it was it was a it was it was it was a nightclub going off, you know. It was like it was it, <laughs> was, it was it was it was like you know it was like a new year a new year you know um New Year's party was fireworks and yeah <laughs> they, yeah they certainly know how to how to do a carnival right? And that was it. And, mm. Yeah, and they, yeah.
0: I got a lot of members in here from Brazil actually because really? uh, a lot of a lot of students yeah come over here to study English. So uh, yeah, a lot of them go for CrossFit yeah for sure.
1: Yeah, they really cool and, guys. And yeah, and they and they they they. Um, I love them because they they go hard and then they've just got this they've got these easy going smiles and and yes. yeah, they bring in they bring in a vibe where it's like hey total bang man you know everything's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything's
0: fine it's like what do you mean I'm shaking like a leaf I've got pockets on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, in a kind of like a general sort of overview of medium to long term aspirations for CrossFit internationally. Could you kind of touch upon that? I know we have to get out of this pandemic for us, but I'm sure you have some ideas.
1: Well, yeah, obviously the short term is just, just, to, um, just to get out of the pandemic. And then um, long term is we need to, we need to um, um, support upskilling. We're not, we're not going to be the ones upskilling. Upskilling will be the affiliate upskilling and, and the coaches upskilling. But we need to support upskilling um, uh, for, for affiliates um, in two ways. Um, one is one is assisting in, in getting as many of their coaches through education to level two, level three as possible. Um, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You know, when when a when a, a coach becomes more competent, um, he gives better service and more service um, to more people, which is good for good for an affiliate. Um, um, so, you know, we, we we need to make sure that courses are translated, that courses are available, um, that courses are localized, that people don't have to. So, you, you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a course. Do you really want to be spending another thousand dollars on that airline ticket and, you know, um, 500 euros on hotels and food? Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily. So we want to be trying to get the courses to people as opposed to getting people to courses. So that's one thing. Um, uh, and then the, the upskilling is not just in terms of excellence in, in coaching, but excellence in service in general, which goes above and beyond coaching. As you know, it's, it's you know, looking at your, your class timetable, um, looking at, um, you know, uh, how you welcome people? Um, you know what? What do you what do you offer in the class? Um, uh, how do you look after your members? Um, the environment you create, um, and then also in terms of um, uh, business um, and operations, um, which includes obviously prospecting and selling um, uh, memberships. Because even if traditionally you know we we always thought oh you know the crossfit affiliate is a passionate person, they're not a business person. Um, so let's 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 nurture the passion with, um, coaching training. Well, no, they've already got that, you know, Mm. um, they, 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 don't necessarily need more of that. Um, uh, we need to be a resource where we can give them, um, things that they don't necessarily already have. Um, so if most of our affiliates are passionate about fitness, passionate about CrossFit, um, but they've never run a business, well then they need some sort of support there and resources there or uh, they've never sold anything or they may, they may need some resources and support there. Um, so these are the things that we're, we're, we're conscious of. Um, and that it's a very, that's a big shift from, from, um, from where we were, um, eight, nine months ago. Right. Um, mm. um, and it's conversations that we're now able to have. So, um, things that working on things like that. So, um, uh, obviously the easy, easy thing to do webinars, um, harder thing to do is, is like a, a, a playbook. Um, and, um, obviously, you know, uh, a lot of discussions happening with Nicole Carroll and the, the training team as well, um, uh, to expand there. And Eric Preston is in charge of, um, uh, like the, 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 the cross preferred courses and all this kind of stuff. Um, but also just, uh, just a, a playbook that would be, that would be available to every single affiliate, right? Um, um, and the playbook would go from you know um, some tips on on uh, negotiating rents to you know uh, uh, tips on tips on you know recruiting and training your your your, your staff. Um, and so yeah, so um, there are a lot of fantastic affiliates out there um, that have huge amounts of uh, huge amounts of experience. Um, and the idea is to the idea is to 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 pull a lot of a lot of knowledge and resources into something that can be helpful to every affiliate around the world, so that's a that's a fairly big, big project that's already begun. Um, and uh, uh, in the US, I couldn't I couldn't join because I I wasn't allowed into the US because I'm in in Schengen at the moment and and uh, the new president closed the frontiers to anyone from 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 continental Europe at the moment. Um, but this the, this this past week there was a meeting an offsite meeting in Boulder. Um, for For two and a half days um, with uh, austin mariolo and and there were a dozen there were a dozen affiliates from um, Canada and the u s because they could they could travel um, and they were they were um, uh, working for a couple of days on on you know uh, the the border lines of an affiliate playbook um, and it 's work that we 're going to continue afterwards um, so that 's really important i think um, as you know right um, you can you can open a box on passion, but then there, there there comes a time where you just need a bit more than passion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: And a lot of it's kind of uh, just learning on the fly, learning on the the hard way, kind of as as it happens as you need to know it. Yeah,
1: but that can be quite painful, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, if someone had told me to duck, then I wouldn't have taken that in the face. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's exciting, man. That sounds exciting. I think uh, uh, it's probably like a really good time right now, isn't it? In this kind of in this last year for this bit of a shift and a transition to kind of move forward to helping the owners, because there seems to be, you know, the industry is there's a, a quite a lot more competition now, and maybe coming out of the pandemic, people's minds shift to different. I know there's a lot of digital offerings now yeah. and stuff, and it's a nice time to refine the skills of owners, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I. I. I... I think the digital offerings, they have their place, but I don't think they're going to replace and substitute um, physical coaching. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, many humans are by nature lazy and they, they need a set appointment time. They need someone in front of them, you know, that's, that's, that's getting it started. They need someone who's driving a workout and a warm up and a, you know, and, and, and pushing them out of their comfort zone and saying, Hey mate, that's looking, you know, you're moving well there. Maybe you can go up a couple of kgs on that and, yeah, Or, mm-hmm. sorry, pounds. <laughs> sorry, sorry <cages.
0: laughs>
1: that was, the, that was the, the, the euro in me coming out. Um, I'm happy with Cajuns. <laughs> I get lost on pounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, uh, so I, I, think, I think that the, um, they will exist in parallel. Uh, I, I don't think that the, the, you know, everyone's going, oh, my God, you know, online is going to replace. No, it won't, um, because a human is a human and, and uh, yeah. um, I mean we can see it right you look at all the zoom classes you know it's great you start them off you got you got 20 people on zoom and then like a week later you got 15 and like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just, you know, people people need to have you know they stick their bag in the car they drive to your box on the way to work or after work they get out and they know that you know at two minutes to eight they need to be in front of the whiteboard and they're gonna you know, yeah. um, so uh, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue I, uh, I do think it's a good time to uh, give more resources because I, I, yeah, as you said, there's more competition. um, um, And, and, but also uh, the, the guys that are pushing the doors of the boxes, you've been around for 10 years, you celebrated your 10 year birthday with Ronan not long ago. And uh, so, you know, this, right. You've seen the the people pushing the doors have changed 10 years ago. They were people that they knew Dave Castro. They knew the games. They knew who, you know, they knew who Miko Solo was, um, you know, you have got guys that are pushing the doors to to the gyms now. Don't even know the games exist. Mm. Right? They have they have no idea. Um, they have no idea who Rich Froning was or is. Uh, or or you know Matt Fraser's taken his. Who's he? It's like Matt Fraser's retired. Who's Matt Fraser? You know, it's like you know, Matt because CrossFit's become something that um, due to the success of the methodology, it's become something that's just people going, like, Hey, you know, I I heard don't know anything about it, but I heard it's pretty good to get results. As, whereas before, it's, I'm here to do CrossFit. No, I'm here because I want to lose, I want to lose 10, 10 kgs or 20-something pounds, I get lost too, um, or because I got backache, or because, man, you know, my son's only five and I want to be able to play football with him for the next 15 years. Um, and um, to, to, to service those types of members, you need to be more skilled serving than serving the person who's already walked on their hands or, or done deadlifts. Their um, mm. their the, the fitness journey is going to be longer. It's going to be deeper. Uh, it's going to be full of more pitfalls and uh, than than the guy who you know wants to do local throwdowns. Um, and so I think that's one thing. And, and obviously the other thing is you know you, you said more competition. There are more boxes, more PT studios, more more Pilates, more boot camps, more this, more that, more one on ones, etc. Um, and so the days of build it and they will come. I, I think to a certain extent it's true. You know, you can, you can be, you can be pretty incompetent in terms of uh, prospecting and selling and, and you'll still, you'll still develop a, a community, but it'll be slower and it'll be harder um, than if you build it and you know how you're going to go and, 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 and drive people to your door and, 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 then convert them and integrate them because there's that, the first few weeks are just so important to making sure they stick um, because, you know, cross it is everything but easy. Um, Mm-hmm. and uh you know some people just like easy so you know we need to we need to know how to how to how to um on ramp or what, you know give, give fundamentals but not just that but also make sure that our our, our coaching is, is is good enough and every single one of our coaches are good enough in order in the hour to to please the guy who's been around for the last seven years but also the guy who's now maturing he's been here for two three years he's maturing but also the newbie who's only done five classes um and that's a that's a very definite skill set um yeah. Um and it takes time to develop, but also, you know, um it means the affiliates have got to be wiser in order to not only not only to be that coach, but then to coach others to be as good as that. Um definite skill sets mm-hmm. in that, yeah, for sure. So I I think the build it and they've come time has, has kinda of moved on. Um you know, I, I said this to Greg a few times. We we had we had some heated, passionate discussions about this where, you know, he was saying, you know, um he, he didn't want to give any business advice or, or um, he, just, he just wanted people to seek excellence in coaching and saying that by giving results, you do. And, and to a certain extent, that's true. We know it. Um, but my point was that, you know, you, you can alleviate a lot of the pain for some, some affiliates um, by, by giving them mm-hmm. some skill and upskilling them. And, um, and I said to him, you know, Greg, with all, all due respect, you know, we're not 2004 and, and it's not, you know, one box per town. Um, I said, you know, mm-hmm. in Paris, I've got, I've got a box 100 meters away. I've got another one 400 meters away. Um, you know you have to you have to become excellent in more than just coaching um, yeah mm-hmm. for
0: sure okay Daniel unfortunately I would love to stay in chat but I've got to wrap it up because I have to do a burpee imam. we're preparing for this event a that we burpee have going on, so have to do a ton of burpees how long, yeah. how long, is, how long uh, is that today is 20 minutes uh, but the actual event on the 20th is 60 minute a burpees so that's not how be many. A how many burpees <laughs> per minute Oh, at my age, in my condition now, I'm probably going to shoot for Denmark and see how, your, your, see how s- you're, scaling,
1: you're scaling down from 20 to 10? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> e- Eamon, just uh, how old are you, mate?
0: I'm 39 years young.
1: Oh, my goodness. That, that back in the day wouldn't have even been a master. You would have been stuck. <laughs> you would, you would still be competing <laughs> in elites,
0: mate. No scaling
1: options for you. No scaling options for you. Okay, cool.
0: All right, Daniel, do you have anything else you'd like to touch on? No, mate. Just, before we, um, before we like just
1: really congratulations to you and your community for, for the 10 years. Um, that's, that doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by chance. It happens because there's someone who's passionate and, and is, is, is sharing something that comes from within. Um, so um, you can be very proud of what you've been doing for the last few years, mate.
0: Thank you That's so it. much, Daniel. I really appreciate it. I'm feeling extra motivated and pumped uh, for the search of excellence today. Well, I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah,
1: take care. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.